frequency of heaven I want to be Good morning, this is Pastor Caleb Plum and welcome to the Frequency of Heaven podcast. I pray that you're having a good start to your week. Hey, let's jump into some prayer and let's jump in <clears throat> to some of the Word of God to strengthen us to encourage us, to motivate us. Heavenly Father, we ask you come right now with the power of your presence. You begin to unlock for us your perfect peace. You begin to unlock for us the joy of the Lord that is our strength, that you would take us up above every storm, above the clouds, above the thunder, above the lightning, where you are, that we would be seated with you in heavenly places as we go through this uh, podcast today and we could see what you see and we could be so close to you that nothing else really matters. So Lord, we want to make you our first love again. Remove every distraction, every form of division that keeps us from your joy. We love you, Lord. Amen. In Psalm 16, David prays a mictum. It is a type of prayer that he would use when in, under incredible stress, under, you know, because he was hunted, like kind of like a wild animal at times. And David would pray. Now, when you, if you just jump in and read the very last verse, which is what we're going to study, verse 11 of Psalm 16, you wouldn't really think he's, in, you know, stressed out or on the run or running from Saul, running for his life. But he is. So let's read verse 11 here, remembering the context that he is in a very dire situation. You have made known to me the path of life, not paths, plural, path. <laughs> you will fill me, not halfway full, not 90% full. Fill me with joy in your presence. That's the key with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Now, to me, this is awesome because he's being hunted. He's, he's on the run. We don't know exactly the situation, but we know when we study what it says, a mictum of David, that these were some of the dire situations of his life. And uh, he's worried, he's afraid. And uh, of course he was a warrior, so he had enemies and you and I may have people we consider enemies sometimes, but usually they're not trying to kill us. So when we go and we read something like this, this has such a richness to it. You know, if you were to get a letter from a man from World War One who wrote from the trenches, he's lost buddies, he's lost friends, his sickness from the rats in the trenches. And you know, he's going through all of these things from a World War I trench. And he writes a letter about the joy of the Lord filling him. Wouldn't that mean something, you know? And so to read this verse is a rich, rich treasure because of the context from which David writes. Now, let's look at this. You have made known to me the path of life. Isn't it comforting? Have you ever been in a situation where you're lost and you didn't, you know, you're at the fork of the road, you don't know whether to go right or left. Maybe literally when you're out driving or maybe figuratively, do I buy the house? Do I not buy the house? Do I ask this girl out on a date? Do I not ask the, you know, Lord, what do I do with my life? Just send me an email, send me a text message, tell me what to do. But here David has this, in general, there's God. He loves us. He gave us his word. He's made known to me the path 
of life. Now, one of the, we're going to talk about joy here, but one of the biggest things you'll hear about, you know, people struggling with joy is that that person has joy and it's easy for them. It's their personality. And, you know, there's probably some truth in that. If you study introverts and extroverts and you study different personality things. But I also know seasons of life can suck the joy out of you. You can have, uh, you know, you can have a car wreck. You could have a loss of a loved one. And sometimes people don't bounce back. In their personality has changed. Joy has become more difficult for them. They need healing. You know, if I had to say right now, what are some blocks to joy? Well, obviously being hunted by an enemy, that could be a block. A past wounds and hurts that have not properly been healed. And when, when I was praying, I think I talked about this in my prayer just a minute ago, but I, I've been thinking this morning about division. When there's division, uh, with someone that we, we don't have fellowship with him. Now think about uh, when the Holy Spirit filled them on the day of Pentecost, it says they were, uh, the King James says, they were in one accord in the upper room. There was incredible unity preceded the filling of the Spirit. And that's a common theme throughout Scripture. God wants us to be united. Well, division, division sucks the joy out of you. You know, you can't have... Uh, friction at work usually and come home happy. Now think about that. David says, Lord, you've shown me the path of life. You've shown me the way you want me to live and the way you want me to go, and you have filled me with joy. That to me says, and of course there's a ton of other verses, you know, it says in Ephesians 4, you know, be of one mind, be like-minded, be united. There's one, one body, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. We're to be one. There's a, there's a unity that God desires for his people, which means we got to agree to a disagree on some minor things, but then we have to be very united on the main things. We don't compromise truth, but we do need to compromise uh, preferences and, and different things that are non-essentials at times. But division blocks uh, joy, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in, um, you know, with someone in your family, extended family, wherever it is, division, it, it just, you were made for relationships. God made us that way. It's almost impossible to have division in relationships and have joy. The path of life that God wants you to have is a path of fellowship. You know, the Lord wants us to, you know, it, it says in 1 John 1, if we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. I think that's 1 John 1 verse 7. Walking with Jesus means we have unity and fellowship. So division will suck joy out of our lives. You know, Saul was kind of divided with David. He was trying to kill him. And so that was sucking some of the life. And, but, but notice where David gets his joy from. But not just division, um, also distraction. And I, I feel like personally, this is the one the Lord's been, you know, I've just, I've had some things I wanted to do around the house. I've had a lot on my plate. We've been having trouble with our minivan for about a month. The check engine light went on again today. And so anyway, someone else is looking at it. This will be the third shop that I've taken it to. I'm taking it to someone else tomorrow to look at. So uh, who knows? But I've had all these distractions, right? Well, that can, 
suck the joy out of our hearts. Primarily distraction is, is a big issue because when you are so busy that you don't have time to be with the Lord, notice the source of David's joy. It says, you will fill me with joy in your presence. Now, the joy of the Lord would give us strength. You just wait and watch. When you don't have God's joy in you, you will not have spiritual strength. You know, um, I actually had a dream once where this man I was praying for, and he he's still in Iowa. He has a terminal illness called Huntington's disease. Uh, very few of any people have ever lived who had hunting. It attacks your, your neurological system, and it is similar to MS. And um, besides, it just keeps going and going and going, and it, it's, 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 it's really a bad thing. Um, and uh, this, this gentleman, his father passed away from it. Now he has it. He's my age. I had a dream once where I, I walked up to him and I was just so full of joy of the Lord, like, like spilling, splashing out, but just like happy in Jesus. And I laid my hands on him and prayed for him. And, and he was healed. He was healed. And I woke up and I was like, well, Lord, you know, I've studied so many things on healing and how to pray for healing. That dream was just kind of odd to me. And, he's, and I just felt like the Lord said, Caleb, when you pray for someone to be supernaturally healed, you need strength, right? Yeah, I, there has to be power, there has to be strength. Well, how do you have strength? The joy of the Lord, it says, I think that is in Ezra um, chapter eight, if I remember right, the joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> so he was explaining to me, you, you want to lay your hands on the sick and you want to see him recover. You need to, what's it say here? Get in his presence. Why? Because the presence is where the joy comes from. Now, let me explain to you something. It's a, a belief that I've developed and I, I think it's very biblical. And sometimes I use the illustration of a battery. Sometimes I use the illustration of a pitcher of water. But take a picture of water. When it comes to being filled with joy, think of a pitcher of water. Now, I can have a one-gallon pitcher, and and I'm pouring from like a gallon jug, pouring into the one-gallon pitcher, trying to fill it up. Or I can have a five-gallon bucket, and I'm dumping into this gallon pitcher. So I got five gallons of water, and I'm, I, I can I can fill this cup. I can fill this, um, um, you know this gallon jug up to overflowing if I have a five gallon bucket. But imagine this one gallon pitcher of water has holes in it and it's leaking out the side, you know? And that's how sin is. That's what worry is. That's what doubt is. That is what wrong attitudes. That's what past wounds. That's what division and distractions. They're like, God wants to fill us up. So we go to church and we get filled up, but we leak. <laughs> we leak too quickly. And sometimes stress, we're, we're in a, let's say you're an accountant and it's tax season. You know, you're, there's seasons of life that are more stressful. It may, it may not be sin. It's just what we have to, it's the season of life that we're in. The Lord wants to help us to learn to manage that and to get in his presence. Well, sometimes we need three hours with Jesus every day instead of a half an hour just to get through. But also I use the illustration of a battery. Think of a battery. You think of the Energizer Bunny for a minute, you know? If he was running on a quarter of a battery, there's a certain place where that charge of that battery, the Energizer Bunny starts to move slower. Well, spiritually, we're like that. We need a 
full charge. We need a we need to be filled with a full charge so that we can have God's joy the way that he wants. Well, how do we get that? It's in his presence. Um, I have a friend back in Iowa. His name is Dick Spade. I talk about him a lot. He's mentored me for many years. They do a thing where they will go to a church and they, for three days in a row, they will go from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. They call it a three-day conference. And it's just a half hour of teaching, half hour of worship. And they'll schedule people from all over the city who are worship leaders and teachers. And he has his own team that does a lot of it. I've done worship. Shelby has helped me do worship at these. And then I've taught at these three-day events. I don't know how to explain this to you other than it's like, like if you had an old battery that took maybe a little bit longer to charge. But if you set that set that thing on a charger for three days. And let's say this old battery, you know, if you, you put it on a charger for a day, it gets about half full. You put it on two days, it'll run, it'll get the job done. But if you will let that thing just sit there and charge for three days, you will be blown away. I, the, the times when my friend has done this, sometimes I'm only able to pop in a couple hours on a uh, they usually do a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, where we're talking about getting in the presence and staying in the presence. That's where the joy comes from. Now, most of us can't take 12 hours a day, three days a week very often to just be in the presence. But I'm gonna tell you, the, the last time they did this at River of Life Church in Cedar Rapids, I was able to be there most of the time. But it, it was there was nothing... Um, and you know, you know, Chris Tomlin wasn't there leading worship. The, the worship leaders were just very common, simple stuff. Sometimes they didn't have someone to fill the slot, so they just played a CD. <laughs> and the teaching was a lot of lay people. Only a few ordained ministers actually even taught um, these half-hour sessions. But there was something about getting in and staying in the presence. By that third day, I was so filled when that thing was over and I got filled in, in a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I remember for the next three months, I just wanted to share Jesus with every single person that I could find. There was something about soaking up and saturating and staying. David is on his run, but David has learned something about the presence. When it says filled with joy, see, there's different levels of joy, right? You've had days where, you, you know, you've had gifts that someone gave you. So, oh, that kind of made me happy. But then someone gave you an unexpected gift and it just knocked your socks off. You were on cloud nine, filled with joy. But how does it happen? It happens in God's presence. Now think about the book of Acts. Let's go, let's go over here to Acts chapter one on the day of Pentecost, it says they were so filled up with God, they were accused of being drunk. <laughs> I think that's partially because of the joy. Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter one, he said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father that was promised to you, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now let's read Acts chapter two, one through four. 
When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came. So they're together. They're in one place. They have been, they weren't doing a three-day, 12-hour day conference. I, I, they, for 40 days, they were charging. And it, they got to a certain point and the Holy Spirit rushes in there. A sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, speaking in tongues might seem strange, but the main thing in that passage is it allowed everybody there to get something. And you watch when, when a, someone is really, really filled with the Spirit a worship team and a preacher. And when a church service is really filled with spirit, every person will walk out of there with something. Now that's a way, you know, in their culture, there are so many different languages. You know, I've been to countries where, you know, you can stand on a street corner and hear four different languages. <laughs> you know, in Jerusalem during this festival, there were tons of different languages. And so what God did was he gave something for everybody in a way that they could understand it. Well, God still does that. He does it every Sunday in a spirit-filled church. He'll do that because he wants everybody to get something. And he is so filled. There's a feeling that's an overflowing. Let me read to you an awesome verse. I heard this term on Christian radio last week. I was like, oh, man, I haven't heard anybody talk about the overflowing in a long time. But it's one thing to be filled, but it's also awesome to be overflowing with who God is in your life. Look what it says in First. Thessalonians 3.12. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of the Lord Jesus. He wants us to be filled up. To oh, 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 Actually, I'm reading the wrong verse. The verse right before that. <laughs> May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. Imagine that you got enough love in you God has filled you with love. You feel, you feel good. Imagine he's filled you with so much love. You cannot keep it in. It's coming out. <laughs> You're going to spread it. It's got to be something that... So God wants to do that. He wants to fill you with so much joy that it's overflowing. Well, well how? In his presence. I noticed something years ago when I'm having a bad day, I can just be still for an hour. It's hard to be still in the presence for an hour, to listen to soaking music, to pray, to, to seek the, to close your eyes, to seek the face of Jesus, to meditate on a verse, to just be still. It's very hard to be still and you get bored. In fact, yeah, the first few times you you have this experience, you'll your mind is used to looking at your phone. Your mind is used to listening to the radio. Your mind, you know, your your mind, we're all a little bit ADD because of technology today probably. It's hard to sit there and just be with the Lord. It takes discipline. That's why we're disciples. But if we're not going to get filled with joy in his presence, you know, David might have been on the run in a cave hiding. He had nowhere else to go. He might as well sit there and privately worship for a while <laughs> because if he comes out, who knows where he wrote this or the exact situation, but he had to get in the presence and then he got filled with joy. And uh, let me just, uh, I'm going to wrap this up with a, a quick story because it says when you do this, 
with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I want to tell you a story. I'll read this verse here first. What does it mean? Look at Jeremiah 33 for a second. What does it mean that God, as you're getting filled with his joy in his presence, and you're soaking, you're staying in the presence until you feel that joy. What does it mean that um, you have eternal pleasures, not temporary, earthly, worldly pleasure? The, you know, there's all kinds of pleasures this world offers. What is an eternal pleasure, right? Now, if you go, actually, I, I want to go to a, a, a 2 Corinthians 12. Look at 2 Corinthians 12. Here's a picture of what it looks like to be filled from God's presence with eternal pleasures at his right hand. Paul says this, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Paul is probably talking about himself. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard he had an out of body supernatural experience. He was he heard inexpressible things that a man is not permitted to tell. And so he had such a supernatural experience in the presence of God. In remember John got his revelation, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day and then the Lord showed up to him and and spoke to him. Well, I uh, one of the times where I kind of experienced a little bit what Paul's talking about there. I oh maybe five years ago, I, it was a Sunday night, and I just like God, I have to have more. I have to have more of Your presence, and uh, I began to press in, press in. Well, one night when I was pressing in, I had this incredible um, supernatural. Um, you know, it was one of those things where. I, when I when it was all over, I was awake. But at first, I don't know if I was dreaming or it was a vision, you know. But what happened was, I was standing looking at heaven. I could see the city glowing; it's beautiful. But there was a werewolf about two feet from me, snarling and growling just to my right, and I never looked at him. He was right next to me, snarling and growling like he's going to bite my head off. And I had no fear. And I'm looking and meditating and thinking about God's glorious, the home, the heaven. And it was just awesome. And in this vision, I just felt like the Lord had me put my hand. All I did, I just put my hand on the shoulder of this werewolf. And within about 10 seconds, the werewolf, it's like they dissolved and melted and it was just a normal, peaceful man. All the snarling, all the grind. And I woke up, and again, I don't know if I was asleep. It was such a, a crazy supernatural experience. I was praying in the middle of the night. It was awesome. And I was awake and I was alert. And, but see, that, those are the type of eternal pleasures that God, he comes in the supernatural. He reveals and he fills. And the Lord from, from then on has challenged me and empow, at times empowered me when there is a harsh darkness around to not um, add fuel to the fire, but to try to diffuse the bomb. You know, a gentle answer turns away wrath. 
So it's just one example. There's many, many ways in which you can experience God's eternal pleasures at his right hand. But the fact of the matter is, it's not a personality thing. God wants to fill every born-again believer. He wants to fill them with joy in his presence. Heavenly Father, you, you have to be the one to do this. I know I can just teach and talk about it, but I'm asking you would come with your power, with your might, for everyone listening, for now and forevermore, would you show us how to press in, to wait to be still, get rid of division, get rid of distraction, and look at your face, and in your presence be filled with joy so we can experience all these supernatural, eternal pleasures at your right hand. In Jesus' name, amen. On the frequency of Christ.